So you all know that I'm a huge green fan and I talk a lot about the green economy and how the green economy works, etc. There was an interesting article that came out and it spoke about balancing our argument for and against renewable energy. Now, I must um, declare that the the author of that article is, in fact, the CEO of Reenergen, a dual-listed helium and natural gas company. So, obviously, he is positioned in a very specific way. But I thought that he raised a few things that might be valuable for us as we think about moving forward and as we think about um, a green environment and, indeed, the climate change issues that we have to deal with. Stefano Marani is, as I said, the CEO of Reenergen, and uh, he has written an article which came out in Business Live around some of the facts about green and clean energy. Stefano, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the time. Stefano, I think what was interesting was that you raised a few points about um, how we can look at clean energy and green energy moving forward and that there might be some areas that we are unaware of certain issues. There were a lot of them, so I'd rather that you just maybe picked up on one or two. Um, I was interested in what you said, for example, about uh, the plastics that can be found in solar panels. And I wonder if you could talk to those issues. Sure. And, uh, you know, while, while I do represent a gas company, I'm, I'm also a big believer in changing, in changing our energy, energy yeah. mix. We have to. There's, there's no getting around that fact. Yeah, I saw that actually um, in the article, and I was going to end with that. You had noted that quite clearly. The key to all of this is that we have to be moderate in our approach and we have to understand what it is that we're doing. So to, to those points that we were speaking about, look at a solar panel. A solar panel needs a certain amount of fossil fuel in its production. It's inevitable because of the plastics, because of the solar PV forms, um, and also just because of the energy mix going into the production of solar panels. So what most people don't understand is that for every five units of energy that a solar panel produces over its five-year lifespan, it takes one unit of fossil fuel to produce up front. So you're spending one unit of fossil fuel up front and you're getting five units back over a certain amount of time. Now, the unintended consequence with this is that in the manufacture of a solar panel, you're releasing a chemical into the atmosphere called nitrogen trifluoride, which doesn't contain carbon, which means that it's not organic, which means that nature doesn't know how to deal with this chemical. It is extremely poisonous, and it's 17,000 times worse than carbon dioxide as a, as a greenhouse gas. Yeah. Since we started manufacturing solar panels, levels of NF3 in the atmosphere have gone up 300%. And it stays in the atmosphere for a 1,000 years because nature doesn't know what to do with it. It's, it's these kinds of things that we're just not paying attention to. So you know, I'm, I'm advocating that if we're using solar panels, make sure that you buy them from either the Spanish or the Italian suppliers who can warrant that they're not releasing the nitrogen trifluoride into the atmosphere like their competitors are doing because it's too expensive to do. Stefano, where does this information come from and why is it not being given to us in terms of uh, how we buy and look at solar panels? Because obviously many of us are thinking, well, is it possible for us to go off the grid for a variety of reasons, not just um, because we're green, but because obviously power is difficult in this country to say the least so I, I do need to go to a break but I would like to know where one finds this kind of information and, and, and I'll, we'll, when we come back perhaps you could just answer that cool perfect Michelle Constant on SAFM 
20 past seven, you are with SAFM. We're talking to Stefano Marani and we're talking about uh, how we look at green energy and look at it with an eye on ensuring that uh, we don't fall into other traps as well. Stefano, you were talking about how solar panels do uh, in their own right have huge issues. And as I said, where does this information come from? We don't always get it uh, clearly and thoroughly in the uh, media and public space. Well, look, I mean, being being slightly cynical as a as a as a person, it's it's unfortunately a very convenient set of facts to put out there, so people don't necessarily go and put it in the public domain, or at least rather advertise it in the public domain. But all of this stuff is freely available on the internet. You do the research, and you you've got to go to the credible websites. You've got to go. Um, even websites like NASA have an inordinate amount of information like this. Um, there, there, are, there are plenty of websites out there where if you're willing to <clears throat> take the time and, and trawl through the data, you can find this information. Um, <clears throat> sorry, frog in my throat. <laughs> uh, another, another article I came across, which, which I pointed to in, this art, in, in, in the paper that I wrote, related to the fact that wind turbines are creating wind shadows and you know this this wasn't the William Lilly paper this was done by Harvard University and the conclusion that they came to was that over a 10 year period wind turbines do more damage for the planet than a coal-fired power station does yeah the, these are disturbing facts and it wasn't a study on one or two wind turbines they they studied 57,000 wind turbines over a decade in the United States and they found that they had permanently changed some weather systems in the US and inadvertently ended up warming warming parts of the U.S. way faster than, than greenhouse gas emissions are warming. So, Stefano, I'm just looking. I know very little about this kind of information. So I'm having to rely on you and I'm having to rely on one of our listeners, all of our listeners, those of who are following this interestingly. So one of our listeners is saying that the impact of NF3 is a, as a global warning gas is big on a per-molecule basis, but the benefits of carbon-free energy from solar panels swamp the negative impacts due to NF3 emissions. And this apparently comes from a researcher at Greenpeace. What's your take on that? The, look, so if, you, if you're looking at one solar panel over a 15-year lifespan, yeah. that, is, that is correct. However, the solar panels only last 15 years, and we've got to take a 500 to 1,000 year approach. And if you keep on replacing that solar panel with the next solar panel, with the next solar panel, and you keep releasing nitrogen trifluoride yeah. into the atmosphere, it builds up. And, you know, we, we spent 300 years putting carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. If we had to put nitrogen trifluoride into the atmosphere for 300 years, the difference is, is that nature knows how to remove CO2 from the atmosphere. Nature cannot remove NF3. So as it builds up and it stays in the atmosphere, it never goes away again. And then we've got a completely different problem that we will not be able to deal with. So, so you know what I think makes interesting, and it's one of our listeners has noted that we have a climate crisis and we need to act fast. And I think that maybe one of the the narratives that becomes a challenge is how do we look at this in the short term and how do we address this in the long term? What needs to be done in the short term? What needs to be um, approached with a long-term view? What would your take on that be, being the fact that you are, um, you know, a, a someone who is aligned to the natural gas industry? And, and, and I, come, I come back to the point, we need to use these alternative energies. We yeah. to, what I'm advocating on the solar is that if we're going to put solar in, Make sure that the suppliers warrant 
that they're recapturing the NF3. Yeah. That's, that's my point on the solar. On the wind, the wind, a lot more work needs to be done. Yeah. Wind, wind turbines are not clean. They are a filthy energy uh, energy source. They use an inordinate amount of neodymium, and I'm, I'm personally very much against them also because of the wildlife issues. So I'm really, really not an advocate for wind. Yeah. I do believe that in the short term, if we do want to have a hydrogen economy, hydrogen in and of itself is not economically feasible. It will require infrastructure, and you can't finance the infrastructure as well as the, in, as the hydrogen production yeah. without the infrastructure having been pre-financed, which means gas, because the gas infrastructure is actually the same infrastructure that you use for the hydrogen. So in the short term, switch to gas, because you can reduce coal emissions by 70%, and you take out the carcinogenic stuff that's, that's poisoning people. Yeah. So in the short term, in the very short term, you can have gas up and running in you know, 12 to 18 months and we can alleviate the power crisis and we can reduce coal-fired emissions significantly. And then we can plaster the world with solar panels. Battery technology needs to come along, uh, needs to come a long way. Lithium batteries aren't going to cut it. You need to replace them too often and the metals that are going into there. Aside from the fact that you've got little kids in, in DRC mining the metals that go into these batteries, which is just a filthy operation. These batteries need to be replaced, so we need to get vanadium redox batteries up and running. <clears throat> right now, there aren't many commercially viable batteries that have a much longer lifespan than, than seven or eight okay, years. Okay, Stefano, we're going to need to leave you there because um, that's uh, a, another journey altogether that we are wanting to talk about. Stefano Marani is the CEO of Renogen, a dual-listed helium and natural gas company. I think that what was interesting about his article is that he does talk to how we need to be very sure about the materials that we use, the solar panels, for example, that we buy, the warranties, etc., and make sure that those are done. Judy is sending us a message saying um, we don't have 300 years, we have less than a decade, and I think, Judy, that does raise the issue around short-term versus long-term and uh, Judy is apparently meandering in the Karoo. Well, I'm glad you're still listening to the show as you meander, meander, meander. 7.27, time for us to crack into our mandated story, SABC Education, our mandated education story. And the question they asked the kids today is how many countries are there in Africa? Which are the smallest countries? What are the largest countries? And how do you think we can get people from different countries to love and care for one another?